Hello, Lot here. Just wanting you all to know that this episode has been previously recorded and posted. So I hope you enjoy it or re-enjoy it. Hello and welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones and a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings toward our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Hi, I am Chicky. I am at the Chikrin on Twitter, and tonight I'm joined by Guile. Hi, I'm Guile. I tweet at Door Podcast on Twitter. And Kama. Hi, this is Kama, and I'm at Grammar Saves Lives on Tumblr. And we have longtime returning guest Mo. Uh, hi, this is Mo, and I'm Useful Spinster on Tumblr. Hey, everybody. Um, so we are doing, I hope we're doing Tyrion 4 in A Clash of Kings because that's what I'm prepared to moderate today. We are. You're okay. <laughs> doing good. Okay. Okay. Um, um, and unfortunately, I have had to step in for Clotho, who had kind of a family emergency come up, and we hope everything's going well for her. Um, so I do not have a recap Um for what else has been going on in the book. Does anyone else know what else is congruent with this? There was only like two chapters between this and the last Tyrion chapter. Um, I think that there was a Sansa chapter maybe. Oh, okay. yeah, that sounds right. It's, it's real quick. I mean, it's, yeah, it I was shocked much. at what there wasn't really much between there's a branch. It's actually one chapter. There's only one thing that's oh, wow. happened since and it's Bran. Oh, okay. I'm going to look, really quickly at Tower of the Hand. They had the banquet. The, oh, the I think Northern that's Lords. the one where he, oh. he hears from, uh, oh God, that poor uh, Lady Hornwood. Oh. oh. I mean, right now she's doing well and she likes uh, Sir Roderick <laughs> and really she would have done much better with that. But, um, and we hear about the stuff going on with the Boltons. And yeah, that's pretty much it. So, and and Bran sort of remembers being pushed from the window after hearing about Cersei and Jamie's incest. So that's all that's gone down. Awesome. Thank you, Calm. <laughs> Anytime. Okay. Uh, so this chapter opens with um, Tyrion popping in for an early morning visit with um, Grand Maester Pycelle. Um, and he, uh, he gives Pycelle, um, a message to send off to, um, Prince Dorian in Dorne. Um, and of course, like the reader is kind of in on the secret that Tyrion's going to be testing, um, some of the people he thinks are informing to Cersei throughout the chapter. Um, and Pycelle is one of them. And I kind of love this interaction <laughs> between the two of these guys. What did you guys think? He, I like all the, like, he's he's constantly commenting on the food and, and like he really does not care for the table that Pycelle has sat. Um, <laughs> you think talks about that a lot. And then also I thought it was kind of interesting. Like he's noting all of the th- kind of cool, like poisons and stuff that Pycelle has. Giving us a little bit of, um, well, not foreshadowing so much, but maybe a little bit. Yeah. Do you think that the Lannister kids kind of see Pycelle? I mean, sometimes I think like they have this. All of them have a quite a disdain for Pycelle, and I wonder how much of it is that you know they know he's kind of in their father's pocket, and Pycelle is someone they can like afford to have that feeling to be open about those feelings that maybe they feel towards their father, but they don't dare actually like show them. Hmm. He's also that dithery kind of guy, and their father. I mean, they've they've learned from him. I mean, Tywin does not really have a lot of you know truck for people who dither, and Pycelle is like the champion of all that. Yeah, and uh, you, you're 
it's so true that they do kind of take for granted that they can just kind of do or say whatever they want with him. His loyalty is, is clearly unquestioned by them. I mean, Tyrion is testing him here, but it's more just to see how quickly he'll report to Cersei than anything. I mean, I think like his loyalty to the family, it's just who within the family is, is he going to, you know, side with? Right. Exactly. Um, yeah, I don't, it's, it's so funny though. You kind of, kind of love the way that Pysel's like, clearly like trying to get more information out of Tyrion here and just doesn't quite know what to do with it. Well, I mean, from Pycelle's perspective too, I think he probably, um, you know, he's going to go where Pycelle strikes me as someone who, you know, he's going to go where the wind blows and he never would have expected the wind to blow in Tyrion's direction. <laughs> so I, no. I don't think he knows like how to deal with him. Yeah, that's so true. So Tyrion takes something from Pycelle here. What do you think it is? Did you guys notice he takes a vial? No. Yeah, he pocketed something, but oh, well, yeah. is this the vial that like what it is? Is this the what he eventually poisoned Cersei with? Is it? I mean, just I don't remember. I'm kind of just assuming though. I don't remember either. Or is that I don't a know. show thing? Or no, no, it's here. Yeah. Oh, maybe. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know where it matches up. Yeah, I wasn't sure where it matched up either because I, because I, I was, it's, it's got to come back around. Yeah. But, right. And and it didn't really exactly say what it was. So. so it's just a small dusty bottle off the high shelf, yeah. which it's kind of funny because he's a dwarf, but. Yeah. <laughs> like well, I'm sorry, Tyrion, you're not taking anything off the high shelf. <laughs> <laughs> when he'd been reading the names of everything else and then this he doesn't think to himself I'm like what is this yeah. I'm sure it's something I just can't well, remember what it is it's, it's funny because like I'm I'm actually just looking at that part of it and he's he's reading everything and the last thing he reads is widow's blood and then he takes he takes it whatever so I mean I think the association with Cersei there is pretty obvious <laughs> oh there's a lot of on reddit oh god why did i click that oh no <laughs> what what dusty theory hole have you fallen down now about uh, this file somebody took widow's blood from Pycelle's room which is what the th- there's a theory that tywin was poisoned by it Oh, funny. Although, you know, maybe the vial disappears at some point. I don't know. Or or maybe he did take whatever the equivalent of, like, lax, you know, some sort of laxative or something. I don't know. <laughs> Get him on the toilet. That's I mean, I feel like how many people do they think poisoned Tywin at this point? Like he was simultaneously know. poisoned by like That's five different people. That's why he people. died. Everybody was slipping <laughs> <some> poisons. <laughs> and then there's someone else going, yeah, it's just laxative. So it's like he took the medieval equivalent of Axlax or something. I think he could have gotten some prunes from Roos in their bargain. Well, he does <laughs> talk about Pycelle's plums there that are... Kind of on the weak and watery side. Although then we learn about the famine and that's like, you know, it's, it's, oh God, he's such a Lannister. <laughs> Everyone else is starving and he's grousing because the porridge isn't the right consistency. I know. He's not happy with his brunch. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, a shitty brunch though, that like ruins like your whole weekend. Where's my avocado toast? <laughs> Those damn millennials. <laughs> oh, God. I'm sorry. So, anyway, we move on from here, and uh, Tyrion is talking to Bronn about basically, I don't know, his day, pretty much. And there's a, there are a lot of little nuggets in this conversation that he has with Bronn. I had forgotten. I don't know, maybe you guys had noticed this I before, too. but that Bronn, or that Tyrion basically tells Bronn maybe he should marry Lawless Stokeworth at this point. Yep. Yeah. That was great. And then um, I love the bit, too, where Tyrion's like, go stick Alistair Thorne in, like, the worst holding cell that you've got. Alistair Thorne is there with the, you know, white hand in a jar. <laughs> Tyrion won't see him. Um, and it's just, you know, it's sort of like, 
I hate I hate to bring up the foul show, but like <laughs> how much better was this than than the white hunt? Like is this where they much got the better. idea? Like they read back, they they read a Clash of Kings, like seven oh, seasons into the it. show. We <laughs> hey, we should have done this. Oh, I mean, it so is anyway. sort of like Tyrion. Certainly, you know, he he never fails to let his personal like vindictiveness get in the way of like a really bad, you know, what would potentially be an important decision. I know. I love how bummed he is too. That of all the people from the yeah, wall, yeah, like he's like, sorry. oh, is it Yorin? Is it you know, like like even though Yorin like was like pieced out of of you know the inn at the inn at the crossroads, Tyrion's like, oh, my buddy Yorin, could it be? I mean, imagine if it was John, he would have just been like, oh, my, you know, like hugging him and. So I love. do love how casual he is. All these things that he's supposed to be taking care of, they're in there. They're buried in that conversation. The thing about Bravos is in there, isn't it? Uh-huh. Or am I reading ahead? No, you're right. It's it's in there. There's a, like the people from the Iron Bank are there. He, mm-hmm. He's like fobs them off on Peter. They have what sounds like a full-scale famine going on, which again, I, I, and we we did get mail, but um, that will address some of my issues here. But um, and he's just really super cash about you know the fact that they roasted some man in his in his oven. You know that there's rioting and that the the people who are supposed to be maintaining order are participating in it. And he's just like, oh okay. Yeah, and I don't well, know how much is deflection and yeah. how much he's actually paying attention to. Well, I think, you know, it's, it's kind of like, it's, it's so much the Tywin side of him, I think, just where he just accepts, okay, yeah, it's war. Cause he says that several times in this chapter is like, yeah, it's war. It's war. We're at war. This is war. This is what happens, you know? So he's kind of accepting it as part of the thing, but it is interesting how he is ignoring how the, the, the small folk are bubbling up in King's Landing around him. And then of course, you know, later that's going to come back to bite everybody in the riot, um, but uh, yeah, I had forgotten too this bit about how this baker was was cooked in his own oven, which is horrible and horrific and very George like. And his response is, "Well, did they eat him?" Yeah, is, is he in the bowl of brown, basically? Oh, uh, oh no, okay, well, you know, they will next time or whatever. And I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I think it's you know. When we think of like the three, you know, the three main characters in the series, basically, and like the lessons they, you know, the lessons they have to learn, you know, and I mean, as much as Tyrion's dance chapters are a slog, it is kind of him maybe learning the, you know, maybe learning the plight of the poor and the peasants and the downtrodden a bit. Like he actually has, you know, he actually has to live that life. He has to live in like the sick and the disease and the no, no, no good water and no food, you know? Yeah. All this shit that he's ignoring now is the stuff that it's going to be his reality before he knows it. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, Tyrion (laughs) runs into Cersei and Cersei's been out. (laughs) This is so funny that Cersei was out like inspecting the city gates, inspecting the defenses. I thought that was pretty hilarious in and of itself. (laughs) Um, and of course they have a tiny little spat as they always do. And we kind of get some information about the fact that, you know, we've got Renly slowly, um, you know, wandering the countryside, not really in any rush to get to King's Landing. Um, and Cersei's clearly very worried about Renly, but it's clearly Stannis that Tyrion is worried about, um, because he can't seem to get any information about what's going on with Stannis. But I thought this was a Interesting and funny exchange. Imagine Cersei out, like, riding around inspecting the city gates. Well, it's sort of like she's doing kind you know, she, that is what she should be doing. Like, she should be be being seen in a way, but you just can't imagine her doing it in a way that would endear her to anyone. Like, you can kind of imagine Marjorie doing it and, you know, mm-hmm. like, everyone loving her and, oh, our brave little queen. <laughs> if Cersei does it, <laughs> that bitch, like... <laughs> It's just, you know, she can't possibly, she She can't can't possibly be seen as like a benevolent presence. Like, it's just not in her DNA. Yeah, yeah, no. Although you do wonder how much they really know her. 
you know, how much mm. of it is. Well, they don't like, know Marjorie either. It's like, but she's, Cersei, it just is not smart enough to. Well, we know that. But I mean, like, if, if it's like, like, divorce yourself from show Cersei for a minute. I mean, you know, if, if, if the small folks see her riding around and she seems like fine and they haven't quite come to hate her yet, you know, then she's just some pretty woman. I don't know, riding around with a bunch of soldiers. It's. Well, she has to keep her appearances because she's regent, right? So she has to look regal and like she's involved still. But she could never be empathetic. Like, that's the thing. Like, oh, no, no. And she she's not going to even be effective. I mean, I mean, she could be. That's my major thing. But would she even know what she was looking at? I don't know. No, she just has to look at it. That's all. It just has to look good. Maybe she's like actually asking questions, like what should I be looking for? You know, like is there something I should be looking for in the game? No, I don't she'd know. be out there pretending that she knew, yeah. even though she didn't. Did you? I also I missed it the first time around, but this business of they can't get any news out of Dragonstone that every all their spies just sort of disappear. I totally like missed that. Or again, yeah. am I reading ahead? Sorry, I didn't have no, any. No, you're not. No, it, it was here, and it kind of makes you wonder: is is it is it is it is it Varys is it, back? Is it that Mel is able to sniff them out? I mean, you know, Mel's proven effective at sniffing stuff out, so yeah, it could be. Or it's Dragonstone, which strikes me as not being, you know, particularly. I, I imagine if you're new to Dragonstone, people would figure that out pretty fast, and they're. Plus, I mean, like, Stannis is going to, you know, like, Stannis is going to check references and shit, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> there's not just going to well, be randos coming along, like, throughout his whole life. Like, he would never, <laughs> he would never trust anyone. And, like, word would get out. Like, you know. Like, I'm going to need three references. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> three references who've known you for five years. And, yeah, you're not, you know, like, the name, you know, like. Well, other than, like, the insane clown that he's allowed to, like, care for his daughter. But other than that. <laughs> he got well, grandfather and, and the And the, the well, red witch and that the, burns the people. Clown, but, remember, that, that came along with his parents. That's true. That's true. I mean, he was a kid when that right. happened. But so other than. Patchface is actually a middle-aged clown. Which is even worse. <laughs> yeah, isn't it? I mean, you know my phobia, or maybe no other people don't, but I have a terrible phobia about clowns, and I don't know why, but a middle-aged clown just seems even more disturbing. I don't know. It's sadder, that's why. <laughs> yeah, Stannis is definitely checking references, and I, I think it'd be, Dragonstone would be a hard place to, a hard place to um, get some good spies, I suspect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Davos is definitely going to know the ways in and out of right. there. So, and you know, Davos that, could never oh. be bribed or anything against Stannis. I mean, that would just be like <laughs> betraying his lover would never happen. Yeah, no, never. There's too many levels to go through to try to sneak any kind of information out of there. And plus, you know, be- you can kind of feel like Cersei would be like. <laughs> she wouldn't even want to like Dane to even have spies around Stannis. Like it'd just be like the worst. <laughs> this it strikes me. This could be like someone who like likes to write like a canon AU. This would or even a canon fic. This could be great. Like you could just see a succession. Like you know people reporting back. Yep, I'm off to go to Dragonstone to re-, you know. <laughs> and they just keep disappearing in strange and awful ways. The whole story from the perspective of Stannis's HR director. <laughs> <laughs> oh god so anyway then Tyrion uh heads to i guess was it his was it his chambers he went to um and when he sees podrick and oh yeah i think it's yeah. in his rooms and um podrick tells him that um little finger is waiting for him inside oh god podwick pod was so cute here I know. Yeah. Lord could, Little Finger. <laughs> I know, Lord Little Finger. Could barely get his words out. Tyrion's so kind of mean to him. I forgot how kind of mean Tyrion was to him. Uh. Um so anyway, then we have this Tyrion and Littlefinger conversation, which was really, really good. I had forgotten how like outright 
Littlefinger was like mocking him with the whole <laughs> knife plot and that Tyrion knew it and Littlefinger knew that Tyrion knew it. They just have like a full on like <laughs> It reminds me of that Friends episode where like <laughs> they all know that Chandler and Monica are doing it, but they don't know that they know that they know. <laughs> so that, like just goes layers upon layers of it. <laughs> oh God. And Littlefinger's like you know, he's like bragging yet again, saying that he had the the maiden heads, quote unquote, of both. Um, I love Lisa, that. Lisa, it's so Lisa, and so skeevy. Yeah. Just one. Book I book. know, dude. Oh, it's like compensating much, you know? Does he exactly. think? Does he think that he had sex with Cat? Like, do we think that he thinks that? Because I feel like no, he, thinks he that. did at one point think that. I think he did at one point think that, but he must know by now that he did. Well, he did have Lysas, but you know, right. yeah. But maybe he's. I mean, maybe he's. He actually thinks he's that like he Donald slept Trump with is what you're saying. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe you know, oh, he was all drugged up. Maybe he really does think that. No, I think he did think that. I think he thought it was Kat when Liza went to him. Right, but I think, I think like, Liza came later again, came back for more, and so he thinks maybe he had sex with both of them, which would really oh, make, God. like, his attitude, he must be, like, so baffled by Kat. <laughs> like, well, you know, dude, I mean, way to not get a lady interested in you is to keep bragging how you took her virginity in a society I, where that would be, like, you know, oh. destroy her. So, yeah. you know, that's not going to win your friends. Well, and it's like, I remember from the last book, didn't Tyrion tell Kat that, that he'd heard this from Littlefinger yeah. before? And I'm like, yeah. how how could Littlefinger think he could get away with saying this shit about Ned's, you know, <laughs> best but You know, I mean, like, Ned's wife in front of, like, you know, fr- people who, like, know Robert so well. I mean, like, why would he think he could do this shit? Because he has money. He gets, he's the money man. I guess. Nobody takes him seriously, though, either. They're probably just like, yeah, sure, Peter, huh? Whatever. Yes. Well, that does, I mean, that is more like that. God. I mean, or Peter does strike him, me as someone. Know? Or no, or he's just, he's the guy. This is how he's gotten away with it for so long is they're all, he's useful to them. Yeah. yeah. He's, you know, from this Very tiny specific. little house. I mean, Tyrion pretty much says, that, you know, the father owned like a field somewhere or whatever. I mean, he's somebody that they use, but aren't necessarily like you know. They don't. You know, they don't use him. Yeah, yeah he's not gonna. He's not a threat. He's just that yeah. guy. Oh God! Did you hear him bragging again? How he had the Tully sisters? I mean, yeah, you probably just don't terrible. even pay attention to that kind of a guy, and which would kill him even more because he is really. But cats, like, I mean, there's so many, like, sexual rumors about her. It's hilarious. I know. Well, and, like, think about the fact that, like, literally in this conversation, they talk about how John Aaron's the one who first hired Littlefinger. And, like, it's 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 John Aaron's fucking wife that Littlefinger's saying this shit about. Well, and I think John Aaron probably knew it was Littlefinger. I mean. Yeah. He probably, maybe he just didn't care. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I'll, I think that's, like, the worst part is that he didn't care. Like, he's so, like, oh. doesn't give a shit about Liza enough. Because it doesn't strike me as, like, a young, newlywed Liza. I don't know that she would have been able to hide anything. Like, she's just, I don't Well, know. he had to know when they married. Right, but he didn't have to know it. Well, I mean, except Littlefinger was, like, banned from... I, I think he had to right? know. So he had to then... know it was Littlefinger. Well, because Tyrion knows. Tyrion knows that he yeah. was sent away from River Run for messing with the daughters. Right. So, like, what? Yeah, I mean, that is really shitty of John Aaron. Like, oh, they forced my wife to have an abortion. I should totally hire that dude. Well, I always assumed it was Liza who talked him into it, but I'm like, if he knew, why would he let her talk him? I don't even know. Yeah. I never have understood There's the whole thing. There's stuff John with John Aaron, Aaron that has never made a ton of sense to me. I mean, okay, here's my he own seems secret. kind of shitty, right? Well, well, I here's, mean, here's my secret thought, guys. Right, okay. I've always wondered: was John Aaron secretly gay, and was the Blackfish his lover? Discuss. Well, but the wow. Blackfish didn't go when didn't go to the Vale until he went there with Liza, and I mean, yeah, but what a great cover. Yeah, but how would they have met? He was I married. Mean, how anywhere. many John Aaron was in the Vale this whole time, and and I Brendan mean, would have were... been in the Riverlands. They would have known okay. each other, and those are neighboring places. I mean, you're talking about the the you know these I mean, are the would, did main John families. Aaron, like, would All they right, have not met, that it, uh, 
like the defiance at Duskendale or something, or in the, you know, in the anywhere. Yeah, I mean anywhere. Okay. They all Lysa me. was wife number three. Not yeah. that that necessarily precludes him being gay. He had kids with one of his wives. Didn't no, he? Like, what, the first it? wife died in childbed. Okay. They had a stillborn daughter. He was then married to a cousin who died of a winter chill during a childless marriage. God, that's so okay. depressing. So who was his heir that was killed by Ares then? Is it this Albert guy? Yeah. I think it was his nephew, wasn't it? Was Albert okay. Aaron was killed yeah, by Ares Targaryen. Okay. But I mean, I have never, you know, both Robert and Ned, like, talk about this guy like he's the second coming. Like, they worshipped him. Uh, they named, you know, I mean, for Christ's sakes, I mean, Ned named one of his kids after the guy. Um, yeah. And and Robert was all about doing something for Robert Aaron because, you know, of who his father was. So, I mean, you got that. But then he doesn't sound like, I don't know, he's never very fully formed. And even though we never see him, I feel like he should be more fully formed and consistent because so much of what he, happened to him informs Robert, the whole series. Right, he let Robert, like, drink himself into a stupor and... You know, really didn't seem to do anything to help him. He was an absentee father and husband who clearly, well, you know, I mean, I don't either know that didn't that's notice true. or didn't care that his wife was, you know, miserable oh, wow. and that his son was like still being breastfed at like an, an quite an old age that I feel I like his father would have noticed. Lysa had five miscarriages. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize. Wow, and he just doesn't seem like all that. To me well it's it's hard to get a beat this is what i'm saying it's hard to get a beat on because you, you get kind of varying sides of him right it's like he gets stuck with lisa as a wife clearly had no interest in marrying we know that or he would have i mean he had long since given up and just assumed that his nephew would be his heir he wasn't interested in marrying or whatever he only did it you know because of the rebellion um so it's kind of you you know and, and like like you said yeah ned ned and robert have great respect for him clearly and I mean, as far as being the hand, though, I think Ned even thinks to himself that, you know, John Aaron had tried to keep Robert under control as well as he could. I think that's part of why Ned's so reluctant to be the hand, because he knows if John couldn't do it, that he can't do it. So I don't know. I've always just wondered, like, was was there more to this story? Did he have some other personal life that, I don't I mean, know. You know, I, I totally think the Blackfish is gay, but I don't, I, I never really I mean, I think so, too. Oh, yeah, anyway. Blackfish, sure. I, I'm not convinced about John Aaron, although there's he's one of those characters where there's, although you know stuff, it's entirely possible because, yeah. I mean, yeah. there are plenty of gay it's men who have absence, had kids. It's not. Absence information. I love how I totally derailed this podcast. Oh, this is great. It's <laughs> fine. It's far more interesting to me than what I had to say about the chapter. <laughs> and I'm I'm reading the wiki, like which this is, is going to be a really good Twitter poll. Was Blackfish gay? This is this is great, guys. I'm in the wiki reading about John Aaron, and it's John's marriage with Lysa was loveless, with Lysa fi- finding John to be too old and hating his bad breath. <laughs> I mean, granted, she does say repeatedly that he smelled of cheese, but and I don't think it was like a good kind of cheese. But still, I mean, I don't think that was the only reason she hated him. No, I think like he didn't want to be married to her, and you yeah, know, that's yeah. And she was in I'm love with someone else. This is the definition of an arranged yes, marriage. Yes, and that's great. And I totally agree with everything you said, but I'm just quoting the wiki, yeah. which, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's whoever wrote that should think about that. But I'm sure they're <laughs> think not Think about what you've me. done. <laughs> Julio Garcia, think about it. <laughs> I'm sure he's not listening to us, so that's not ever going to change. I'm sure that he's not, not listening to us. <laughs> Oh my God! It's been a long day. <laughs> okay, so um, anyway, so no, I can't even remember which story that Tyrion tells to Peter. What what's the story that he tells Peter that he's gonna betray with um, Marcella, Marcella to, to, to our Robin? Yeah. Okay. Which is a funny thing to think about. Um, and he offers, I, I had forgotten that it was here that he offers Baelish, um, Harrenhal. All I can hear when I, when I, I just hear Aiden Gillen, like his terrible, weird accent. I suppose, <laughs> I suppose Harrenhal's off the, like, it was just, 
Oh, it's his worst. Uh, I always just think of that. What is it? The the, the um <laughs> poor lip reading trailer where he always says hot Dugan. Oh God. <laughs> hot Dugan. Oh, oh God. my lord. All right. Anyway, <laughs> so they kind of wrap their thing up. Um, and then uh, Tyrion has this meeting with Varys, who is the third person that he's going to test. And this is also a pretty interesting meeting um, because, like, we already know how, you know, like, deeply Tyrion's basically indebted to Varys because of Varys setting up the situation with Shay. I don't know. Their dynamic is so interesting um, in the books as well as the show. I mean, but I mean, the show is so much better with Ferris, I think. But um, I don't know. This, this is a very interesting um, sort of playthrough where, you know, Tyrion doesn't even pretend with Varys that he isn't, you know, kind of telling different stories about what he's going to do with Marcella and Tommen um, as far as who's going to go to Dorne. But he tries to convince Ferris that he's he wants to send Tom into Dorne, which is actually a very interesting idea as well. Um, I don't know. Does anybody have any thoughts about this exchange? Yeah, I mean, sending Tom in there is so it's, it just seems so foolish, given that you know they kind of talk about, oh, oopsie, what if anything were to happen to Joffrey? You know, like clearly Tom and yeah. is. You know, Tommen, there's no, you know, Tommen's not going to be betrothed to Arianne. And oh, my God. <laughs> and I'm sorry, that's brilliant. You know, if they're both already kind of thinking, well, you know, Joffrey sucks. What if, you know, something were to happen? You know, Oops. obviously, Tommen, they, they want away from Cersei, but they certainly don't want him not in their control. Yeah, well, I mean, it would basically, I mean, you know, like, I think Tyrion's trying to pretend he's doing this under the guise of fostering him in Dorne, but I mean, this would clearly just basically be sending Tom in there to be a hostage. It's, right. I mean, do you think Ferris is even buying this as an idea? No, because it just seems so mm-hmm. colossally stupid. Like, sending yeah. Tom to the Vale as a, you know, as a ward would make also no sense, but it would make more sense, seeing as that's like the only other. You know, it just seems foolish for them to think that they're going to have a shot at any kind of alliance with Dorne other than through a marriage. Yeah. Whereas the veil, potentially. You know, at this point, if Liza hasn't hasn't raised the banners for Rob, she's not going to. So, you know, they got a shot at that. Which it seems like Tyrion has kind of sussed out. Yeah, I mean, what a shitty aunt. I mean, obviously they're <laughs> they and, have their own yeah, and sister. I mean, like I can get her not wanting to go to Hoster Tully's aid, but you know, to not help out Cat and Admir is kind of shitty. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. Is. But yeah, this so this is this is a this is so he kind of ends it throughout the chapter. Tyrion's been counting off one, two, three for the three people that he's sending, and obviously we all know that it's. <laughs> Pycelle was the one who had the real message because Tyrion already knew that Pycelle was going to report to Cersei, so why even lie to him? Basically. Um, I don't know. A lot gets made of, like, Tyrion's, I guess, statecraft, and you do see some of that here. Like, he is really kind of, you know, getting a a bead on a lot of these different, you know, major players. Um, but, like, do you feel like this is a smart move, what he's doing, testing these guys and letting them know that he doesn't trust them because, you know, two of them are going to find out that these are lies. Well, I mean, I think it's sort of silly when, to me, he's playing games that are great when you're in, when you have, like, the luxury of time and peace, which, Mm. I mean, frankly, they don't. And their best bet is to all kind of come to the realization that, you know what, Stannis is going to hang every fucking one of us right next to each other. Yeah. Or alternatively, Renly's going to hang every one of us right next to each other. So, you know, we need to get our shit together, basically. And, you know, he's kind of playing these games, and he just gets colossally lucky that, you know, Renly gets killed, basically. Because otherwise, they, they're fucked. I mean, there's no way out. Stannis is going to attack him, and then Renly's going to attack attack who's ever left, and they're going to lose. Like, 
they win, you know, this part of the War of Five Kings out of, you know, blind luck, basically. Yeah. A couple years ago, I started this really, I was, I didn't get very far, although Lot, who isn't on this episode, next time she's on, she can, she can, she's seen my copies of the books where I had this whole system of multicolored post-it notes and these flags, and I just, like, notated the shit out of those books. And I got as far as Storm of Swords, and then, like, you know, life happened. But I was looking, I'm actually reading my physical copy for once, and I had written, these notes are from, like, three or four years ago, like, going, you know, really, I don't think Tyrion is as clever as I thought he was, because... the stuff he's ignoring seems like stuff like, no, really, this is stuff you need to focus on. And it's more like he's come to town. He's got his idea of how he's going to determine who he can trust or who's the traitor or whatever. And that's fine. And that there's nothing wrong with wanting to do that. But it, it like Guile is, I think, suggesting, I mean, that's at the expense of some other stuff that they really need to be focusing on. Like, yes, the threat of Stannis and Renly. Um, and less about trying to figure out who Cersei's got in her back pocket. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, and like Kyle was saying about, you know, like we need to, to realize we're all going to die and, and, you know, kind of present a, a united front. I mean, obviously Cersei's, um, incapable of, of thinking on that level, but Tyrion is capable of thinking on that level, but even he can't let it go long enough to like, you know, really... Well, I mean, I think Tyrion is the example of someone who is, you know, going to be decent in times of peace, you know, in times mm. of like, cri- of like mini crises. Whereas, let's you know, let's talk about Jon Snow for example. You know, Jon, when confronted with some serious shit, isn't going to, you know, stops stops worrying about this little crap and these little rivalries, even you know. He stops worrying about, like, really big rivalries, you know, with, like, the wildlings to, like, his death. But, I mean, he understands well, the depth. He understands, like, the size of the problem. And he's a good leader for, you know, he's a good leader for desperate times. Tyrion's not. <laughs> like, Tyrion is yeah. <laughs> is your guy for, you know, after the war is won. Like, he's your guy. Yeah, he's, he's like the... He's good at governing. He's not good at yeah that's, battle commanding. Because like yeah. that's like Jamie's part is like the battle commanding, and Tyrion's like the eh, governor. Jamie's Jamie's pretty good at governing. Yeah, but yeah. I, I mean, he's not, not big. As, he's not as into the manipulations as Tyrion is, though. I think Jamie's good. Jamie's good as a. What, what do I want to say? Like Crisis. Jamie's well. A Jamie's good. I don't think you'd want Jamie in charge of a whole thing. No. You know what I mean? Jamie's good in a position as, you know, like give Jamie this to take care of. And I think Jamie could probably take care of it. But I don't know that Jamie's capable of this. I don't think Jamie has a giant strategic vision, but Jamie can. No. Jamie's like your tactical guy. He's not your strategic guy. I I think he's the guy you hand a project to maybe. Yeah. 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 Particularly a project he's that's in his like, wheelhouse you know i don't know that there's there's certain things where i think he could be pretty much disastrous but i think like we all have skill sets and as long as you're gonna be disastrous no but i mean like there's probably things where if he got bored or if he didn't get it it might not you know well the other thing to keep in mind throughout this whole series with his main characters george is very much um I want to say use the term training them more, more like he just kind of presents them with situations that force them to learn. And, you know, I'm getting the feeling reading through this clash of King stuff with Tyrion. He was actually doing a lot of that with Tyrion here. I mean, this, this thing of, you know, like kind of putting the small folk on the back burner, you know, you kind of have a feeling maybe this is something he will have learned from and that may, you know, come into play much later in the series when he has a, a great deal of power again. I don't know. Um, I mean, not that he, you know, not I'm not denigrating Tyrion as leader. I mean, he's a hell of a lot better than <laughs> a lot of the people. But it's just funny how his ego, and it is ego, I feel like. Mm-hmm. His I ego kind of gets in the way. Well, I think what Tyrion, you know, he thinks like, well, I don't have, 
you know, I don't have the looks, I don't have, you know, this, but I'm super smart. And so he thinks he's, like, super fucking smart. And part of this whole this whole chapter is him flexing his brain, more or less, mm-hmm. just for the sake of proving that he's smarter than these three guys. Yeah. Well, and you kind of see it throughout the chapter, though, too, that he he's, he's craving that recognition that he just can't seem to come to terms with the fact that he's just never going to get <laughs> And it's like, yeah. you, can't, you can't do this for recognition. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's, yeah, he's never going to be. He's always, I mean, that's the thing. Like, all the Lannisters are all going to always be hated, no matter what they do. Oh, yeah. Like, each and every it's one a... of them, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Speaking of which, I can't believe I glossed over it, but I forgot during the Baelish thing that they were watching Joffrey out the window and he was like shooting rapids with oh his Oh my god, off. I totally oh, yeah. forgot about this. <laughs> like shooting rabbits with a crossbow and missing and like the rabbits were like fucking with them, which is the best part. <laughs> Speaking of being a sh- leader. Yeah. When he finally gets one, they're like, he must have been a slow rapid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And it's like, you know, really, it's sort of interesting, though, because really Joffrey should be, you know, from a physical perspective, everything we hear about Joffrey is, you know, always tall for his age and he's hand, like, why should he, you know, he really shouldn't suck at anything like this. Like, he should be sort of on the exterior, the ultimate prince. Because I think, I, I think what you'll, the reason for that is because he doesn't put the effort into it. That he should. He mm-hmm. doesn't want to. He's spoiled, and he doesn't have anyone making him do that. And then we you see hear, Tommen, who's, like, you know, like there's, off his I mean, and getting back but Tommen, for his, to his credit, keeps trying. Right. Yeah. Joffrey never does. I mean, you. It's interesting watching. There's that bit in the beginning where Bron is watching those guys in the yard who are practicing, and he's sort of already sussed out, you know, but this is a man whose business is fighting. He he practices every day. I mean, these are people Jamie trains every day. Joffrey, I think he wants to kill things, but he doesn't want to do the work necessary to learn how to kill things, which I suppose we shall be very grateful for. <laughs> but that's why. Well, and it's just so interesting to like compare Joffrey because I know he's like a, maybe a year younger, but like compare Joffrey to like John and to Danny and to Rob, you know, other people roughly his age who are, ha- you know, in, in positions of just as much power or, you know, a lot of power um, and what they do and how they take on the responsibility of it and how Joffrey just well, isn't it <laughs> takes like- none of it. Well, it's, you know, you go to Varys and the, you know, the epilogue of dance and, you know, all of the thing you know, all of the things that he's done that he thinks will make Egan a great king. And it's sort of like he's doing it as the antithesis of, of Joffrey's life, but, you know, right. creating this artificial thing, not realizing that, you know, all those circumstances early in their lives that, you know, that led John and Danny, frankly, to having the actual experiences that he tried to create for Egan and how that kind of shapes them as, you know, as leaders and doers in a way that, you know, obviously Joffrey fails at completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It is interesting. It's, you know, you kind of forget. I don't know. It's just so easy you to forget, forget they're that all around the Joffrey's same age. pretty much the same age right. as, as the rest of them. And, you know, they all, when the time yeah. comes, you know, they step into the role that they need to step into. And Joffrey just is trying to shoot rabbits and failing. I mean, well, who Cersei knows? Cersei's trying to keep that power for herself more than anything anyway. Like, she's going to let True. it ever, but she's really ruling. So, like, they don't really have in cat or... Danny doesn't have a mother even anymore. Yeah. That they don't have that kind of mother that wants the power for themselves, really. Well, I mean, Danny obviously had Viserys, and you know she. Right, right. Yeah, but I mean, they, I think it's also. I mean, well, I mean, well, the jury's still out on Danny, but I mean, I think it's quite arguable that part of the reason why Rob and John. Um, are let's say more successful or better at this stuff than Joffrey is because well first of all they're not crazy, um, right. 
And I think <laughs> quite arguably Joffrey, I mean, I, I really do think he's, he's never, I, I see a lot of, you know, people commenting on how he's sort of shaped and yeah, he is sort of shaped to be this way because he's raised in this sort of, you know, he can do no wrong, very permissive with Cersei as a mom, but I really right. think there's something innately wrong with Joffrey. Oh yeah. Oh, I mean, you know, yeah. there's a personality I mean, the disorder. I mean, torture is, you know, a pretty yeah. clear yeah. signal. Yeah. I mean, he's too young to be diagnosed with a personality disorder, but I think we all know George yeah. is right him to have a personality disorder. disorder. I wonder if the political climate of today will have, will help inspire George to finish these books in a way. Oh God, in a way, I that uh, maybe <laughs> never. Know. Or give him an excuse to check out. <laughs> well, I don't think I mean, he doesn't need an excuse. <laughs> That I think he's got zillions of those. I don't think he needs one more. <laughs> Just thinking about, you know, how people have posited over the years that a lot of, you know, Danny's chapters are based on, you know, post-Gulf War and stuff. And, you know, maybe maybe we just needed more interesting history. Well, we certainly have it. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Too interesting. Thank yeah. you very much. Thanks, okay. <laughs> So anybody have anything else about this chapter? This is one of those chapters that, frankly, I actually liked the way the show presented it better than the book. Yeah. Like, yeah. It was just very simple, like really simple, re- really easy to understand. Like rereading the chapter, I was like, oh, <laughs> I what is he doing here? Why do I really have to hear about the, the watery or was it watery or thick porridge or the needed milk and honey and all this. I'm like, I don't care, George. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do we have mail come? We do. Um, okay. Hello, everyone. Poor, poor Tyrion. You do not like him, do you? Concerning lusting over Sansa, <laughs> I do not quite see that. Yes, he has an erection when they are put into the marriage bed, but one, he stops the bedding ceremony before it even starts. Two, he says, does it scare you? After she replies, yes, he states me too. And three, afterwards, he tells her that he will only touch her if she wants him to. I think he has some deep-rooted issues concerning women, but he does not really act on it, what, which makes him a rare case in this world of Westeros, probably the only one apart from Jamie. Which brings to mind, isn't it remarkable how free-thinking both Tyrion and Jamie are when compared to other characters? Keep podcasting. It is always fun to listen to you. That's why I am Patreon. Cheers from sunny Germany, Klaus. Oh, man. I mean, thank you for being a Patreon, but I have some really big issues with that comment because, you know, that Sansa wedding scene, and he's groping her. I mean, it's basically a sexual assault. And, of a child. <laughs> right. And it's yeah. it's not like he would have been surprised at her reaction to it. A, she's a child. B, his family, you know, murdered all of her family. It's gross. And then, you know, Tyrion absolutely does act on his feelings towards women. I mean, he rapes that prostitute in dance. Like, there's... Yeah, I... I I don't I don't know if I like Tyrion or not, but I I really think that you know his issues with women are all in his head or things that he doesn't act on like they're things that he mm. very clearly acts on. I think yeah. I, I mean the first time I read these actually and even when I reread I did like Tyrion, but it's when you read these things super close. I mean, sometimes these characters stand up to a very close reading and other times it's like, uh, you know, it's sort of, especially knowing what you know comes down the line, you start seeing what George has sort of planted and that, I don't know, that some, sometimes that colors how I look at them. I mean, Tyrion, I mean, he's still an interesting guy right. and he's still, I mean, a fascinating character. I I do, I am increasingly seeing that all along he was sort of a misogynist and I just didn't realize just how deep one, a deep of one he was. Mm. But I, I do find him interesting and I think he's a remarkable creation. 
Well, I, I mean, I would definitely, I, I would, I don't even know if I would go so far to say that I flat out dislike Tyrion. Um, obviously have massive issues with some of the things that he does. And especially as we get to dance, um, which I think we've all said many times, Tyrion's just in a place that none of us really want to go with him. Um, I don't hate Tyrion by any means. And like you come, when I first read the books, I mean, Tyrion was absolutely a favorite. I mean, dance was kind of a, I don't know. I think that my, I didn't I have a great, him in feast. I, didn't, I was so annoyed yeah, he wasn't in feast. Was too, and then when I got to dance, I was, I was like, Oh yeah. I was like, shit. No, I didn't want to take it back. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I don't dislike, I, I don't even think I would say I dislike Tyrion. I mean, he's in the, in the category of a problematic fave. I mean, he is a deep misogynist. He is a rapist. It, it's really difficult to continue to like him, but I do. I actually, you know, really, especially love his dynamic with Jamie. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't dislike him. But yeah, the the issues the issues are really there, and I think you know sometimes it's maybe having been a you know twelve year old girl like Sansa, we can kind of put ourselves in, in her shoes and like I understand why people really sympathize with Tyrion with the whole Sansa marriage because on the surface they say well he's better than a lot of the options and he he doesn't actually rape her and it's like, yes, but you know, how, how much credit can you do somebody for doing or give somebody for doing like the bare, the bare minimum decent thing, you know? Um, and that's what that is. I mean, he still marries her, which he didn't have to do. And it's like, yeah, sure. She would have been married to someone else, but he didn't have to do it. I mean, he did she it. She would have been married to Lancel. I mean, that was like, yeah, you know, and I mean, Tyrion knows, Lan- I mean, Lancel's a dick to Sansa. Like he's an asshole to her. So, I mean, he knows, he, you know, yeah, but I mean, it's sort of like it's it's not that he does it to protect her. No, he doesn't. <laughs> no, I mean, he, he, wants, he does it. Because he wants an opportunity, and yeah. that comes with it. Yeah, he wants. And I also, well, and I also understand because I think you know, there's this there's this deep seated thing. It's you know, it's the same kind of thing you get in Brienne's chapters, which is you know, if you, if you're someone who's ever felt like less than physically, um, you know you look at someone like Tyrion and you think, oh, this is so terrible that people just won't give him a chance as a human being because they can't get past his looks. And so you see Sansa do that. And so it kind of, it kind of, because you empathize so deeply with Tyrion, you know, you feel badly for him. And it's not that that isn't an issue in his life because it is, it is an issue. It's very much an issue. Yeah. And it does suck. But then on the other hand, Sansa is 12. She's a little... And Sansa and 100% gets past the looks thing with Sandor. Like it has not, it's, yes. you know, someone also, who genuinely. It's because she out, won't, is looking out she won't her. agree to be a prize. You know, Tyrion is an interesting guy. And even though he's, you know, not in a conventionally attractive man, he's a dwarf. She should just get over that and look past it. That means it's not about what she wants. It's like those guys who are like, well, I got friend zoned. It's like, no, <laughs> it, it's, you know, the woman isn't your prize. It's, it's not, yeah. oh, you know, you're a decent guy. She, you know, I deserve to be loved. Yeah. Everyone deserves to be loved, but that doesn't mean we have to, you know, it's exactly. And I think George understands this on a deep level because yeah. when you get to dance and this is something that it, it kind of takes a reread of dance, which for me was painful to get, I mean, I flat out would not read any of Theon's chapters again in dance, but I did reread Tyrion's. Those are like the only ones I would reread. Yeah. But Penny's role, Penny's role in Tyrion's dance story is clearly to show him the other side of this, which is, you know, you, you go in here and you, you, you know, you expect the most literally most beautiful women in the world to treat you well you know, even though you're not physically great looking. Well, you know, George, what does George do? George gives Tyrion Penny and said, okay, here's someone who is at your level physically, you know, literally in every way. Um, and she's actually attracted to you. And Tyrion is like, eh, you know, like he's actually giving Tyrion this experience that Sansa has experienced. Yeah. And um, I think it's intentional. I think George knows what's going on. And I think George wants the reader to see it to see it from Sansa's perspective. I, I think that's a lot of what Penny, Which is so I mean, not everything about Penny, but hated Penny is because it's like every, now I'm going to get in. Sorry. Sorry. Men of the world, but it's such a male thing. Like, Oh, 
Like they can't handle that from their, you know, that perspective. And, you know, it's a lot of like the, the resistance to Jamie brand, frankly, is that same thing. Like, Oh my God, you know, the thought of a man or a male character having to, you know, have be faced with a romance with a woman that is not attractive. Is literally well, the worst thing imagine or subtle, say yeah. it. See, see, say it because that's what it is. That's yeah. what that's what a lot of you know heterosexual guys. Well, I'm not even going to say heterosexual. Guys. That's just like a, what a lot of men see it as. It's settling. They th- see it as, oh, he settled for a less than beautiful woman. And well, and women do it too. I mean, everybody. Women do it. Women yeah. do it to an extent too. But I, I mean, you know, look around you. Women are yeah. a lot. <laughs> women are a lot more likely to look past looks than men are. And I, yeah. I, you know, I'll, I'll hold that up against anything that anybody says to me because I think that's true. And, you know, I've um, seen CBS sitcoms, so yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, I, I mean, like I totally get it. I get, I get, and I get why people who identify deeply with Tyrion, um, you know, kind of bristle at Sansa's reaction at first. Cause you're going, Oh God, here's Tyrion being rejected by another woman. And he's trying to be nice to her and all this stuff. But it's like, it's one of those times you really have to kind of like jump outside yourself and really put yourself in Sansa's shoes and go, Oh, this is not fun for Sansa at all. And like, maybe things would have been better if she could have trusted Tyrion, but how could she have? Well, and I think that's one of, you know, this is one of the issues with the way that we're, you know, we're reading a POV one at a time like this is that, we're it's, in that POV. <laughs> well, we're in that POV, and I think, you know, and Sansa in particular is a nice counterbalance to that, you know, because, I mean, she thinks, you know, basically, well, no one gives a shit how I feel. Why should I care how he feels in this moment, yeah. you know? Which is, you know, I, frankly, good for her. <laughs> like, I hate to be <laughs> like that because it's, the, you know, not kind of the thoughts you necessarily want to you know, think are so great, but in that but, moment, it's like, yeah, you know, no one's well, thinking, it's a of, very much, no one's thinking uh, of this, like, 12-year-old girl, like, no one it's, gives a it's shit. Also, I mean, there's a certain point, I mean, uh, women in particular, and at least in a lot of, well, actually, I'm just going to say, I mean, women are generally raised, girls are generally raised, you know, to be the, it's, it's so engendered in every part of our culture that, you know, you're going to be the one to kind of, Oh, it makes me so mad. I'm sorry. I can't you're even articulate what I'm saying. Over. You're going to defer. To the... You're going to, you know, make everyone comfortable. Close you're... your eyes and think of England. I mean, is it really <laughs> mm-hmm. so bad? He's kind of a decent guy. You should just give him a chance. And I mean, her basically saying, fuck that. Not that she does or, and refusing to kneel and not, that's like, that's what you should be doing. I mean, that's what women should be doing is like not going, okay, you know, I'm going to be the bigger person and, and settle and, yeah, you know, I mean, deal with Sansa this. Sansa would have kneeled because she wanted to, because she, it'd be totally different. She was old, you know, if she was a little bit older and a little bit more like, okay, but it was, you know, there was nothing in, there's nothing in that scene. That's her choice at all. You know, yeah. like there's, if there is one thing that was her choice, then maybe you can, like maybe you can wish that she, you know, that she would be kinder, but there's nothing. But she's even obedient as a wife. God, like she does get undressed when he tells her. Like she, yeah, she, it's horrible. She, she's, oh, yeah. she's like, I, I know we're skipping ahead like an entire <laughs> oh, book, yeah. but you know, I mean, just just in response to the to the comment too, and not, I mean, I certainly don't mean to attack the comment. So please, no, don't, I don't either. Please don't I take understand it where it in those from. terms. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think when we. And I think it's, you know, I think when the, the you know, the re- the listener who wrote it, when we get to some of those chapters, I think, you know, our reaction might be a little bit more understandable because I think you forget, if you forget until you've, like, read it recently, like. Yeah, and it has been Sansa, a while for the me. San- Yeah, the Sansa wedding night chapter, which I, which I actually can't even remember if it's from her POV or from Tyrion's, to be honest. There's but two. It's. There's. It's, it's like, awful. <laughs> I want to say, and now I'm going to have to go look. Uh, um, I want to say the wedding is. The wedding is definitely Sansa. It's and the, I think the wedding, the wedding night, night is, is his. Tyrion. It's him, yeah. Yeah, and it's, yeah. it's awful. 
It is. I mean, you know, the thing is, you know, I realize a lot of people really want you to kind of remove yourself as a modern person, but it's like, I can't look at this and not see, even though he's much younger in the books than they portray him in the show, Tyrion is an adult and Sansa is, even by the standards of Westeros, a little girl at 12. Yeah. And, um, you know, the power dynamics are uh, so skewed. And you can see that in the way that she, you know, quite literally, I'm not, you know, I'm using the term obey. She obeys him because she, you know, she always does her duty. That's Sansa. Um, You know, uh, the little bits that she does to kind of hold on to her pride and the fact that she can't pretend to be physically attracted to someone she isn't physically attracted to at the age of 12 undergoing the trauma that she's undergoing. I mean, I can't, you know. And again, like... It's so, you know, like when you see criticisms of her, you know, being shallow or whatever, it's just like, what fucking books are you reading? Like, are you reading the chapter? Are you reading the chapters when she like romanticizes her last meetings with the hound and it's like into it? Well, it's also most of the people reading these books are not children. I mean, yeah, they might be teens or whatever, but I mean, I think we tend to forget how young, well, actually, I think George sometimes forgets. But, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Sansa is a kid. I see so much hate of her for doing things. But, I mean, like, she's 12. You know? <laughs> like, well, you and, don't. I mean, frankly, what does she do? Like, how is it not fucking admirable that she's not, like, Dead? frankly, her... <laughs> Frankly, her obeying on their wedding night is, like, maybe one of the least admirable things that she does. Her not kneeling? How the fuck can you not think that that's, like, incredibly brave and admirable? Like, these people just fucking killed her, you know, they killed her whole, you know, they killed her family. They killed her father in front of her. And this is, like, her her singular moment of defiance. And in any other character, we'd be, like, fist-pumping about how awesome that is. Yeah, well, she's holding on to her pride, and and like I'm saying, she's doing it in a in a way that that is socially acceptable. She should not have to kneel, you know. You know, she knows she's not supposed to have to kneel during this wedding ceremony, and she's like, "This is exactly what they want." You know, they want me. You know, she's going to be a Stark on her knees. She's not going to do it, and she doesn't. Yeah. And you know, yeah, it's hard. You know, if if you can identify with her at all, it's it's hard not to fist pump for her. And I don't know. A few episodes ago, I said a, something about. Or maybe that was our feminism episode that hasn't aired yet. But <laughs> I said something about how <laughs> I said something about how, you know, George, to begin with, I don't think he wrote Sansa to be a terribly sympathetic character. But as he got into her head, he warmed to her and therefore we warmed to her. And I understand that maybe people kind of set themselves in, you know, a Game of Thrones not not liking Sansa at first. I understand why that happens, but it's like, you kind of have to be willing to go on her journey with her and see, mm-hmm. you know, what happens from her perspective. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, Sansa's not my favorite character. She's a lot of people's favorite character. I've always said I identify more with Arya, but I mean like how anybody can be mad at Sansa or hate Sansa is just mystifying to me, which is not what I think our reader is saying. I don't think he's saying no, that. And I, yeah, and no, I, I think there's, there's validity. I mean, it's because we do the, I mean, we have been kind of trashing Tyrion, and I think it's more like when you start doing these deep reads and you're starting to think about it, and also the lens of the world we're into today. I think a lot of that is coloring. I I find him fascinating. He's, I mean, mm. I don't like him. I think that's accurate, but I find him fascinating, well, and yeah. I think he's a great character. I don't know if that helps. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, I think there's an element too here and I've kind of felt like this about like some of the divide in fandom over the fact that they made Jamie a rapist on the show. Um, I don't know that I'm not going to just split it down gender lines, but I think it's more often men who don't understand. I don't know if men understand um, how irredeemable being a race rapist can be in a woman's eyes, a racist too, but a rapist, um, it, you know, w- women have a hard time ever really um, feeling anything good about someone they know as a rapist. Um, and I think that is at play with Tyrion because I don't think any of us deny that he certainly is one in dance. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, doing like the deep dives in the characters, it's, you know, it's interesting in that 
obviously, you know, we, we kind of feel the way we do about Cersei in a deep dive. I don't know that it changes that so much. But, you know, Kat, I don't know if reading those, do you like her? Do you, you know, there's, a, you know, getting into the heads of these characters, there's not that many that you can come out and, like, be, oh, my God, I love them so much. They're so great. You know, I mean, they're they're really complex characters. They're all they problematic faces. I mean, they really all are. are except, yeah, and obviously, like possibly, there's really like Rickon or something, but you know. <laughs> well, I mean, Brienne. Let's let's yeah. just put it out there. Like, you're not going to hey, deep dive give her time. on that bitch. Give like, her time. She's <laughs> right. Got time give her time, maybe. <laughs> but I mean, you know, in in her feast chapters, you're not going to walk out of you know, you're not going to go out of those chapters thinking about how much hate her. If you are, then I really, I don't know what's wrong with you. And I genuinely don't want to know what's wrong with you. <laughs> okay, any other mail, Com? No, that is it. That's it. Okay, well, um, so on that note, yeah. <laughs> um, we would love it if you would reach out to us um, on social media or anywhere if you would be interested in being a guest on podcast. Um, we love to get different perspectives. As a matter of fact, we would love a Tyrion lover perspective. If you want to come on podcast, um, you can contact us on Twitter at, um, at door podcast. Is that right, Kyle? Yep. At door podcast. Um, we are close the door and come here on Tumblr and our Gmail is, um, close, close the, door. the door and yep. yep. Yeah. Okay. I'm really good at this. <laughs> we, we also, I don't know, did we put a note in about Patreon last week? Or um, I didn't get to listen to the episode. Did anybody no, talk about we, it? We did. or th- Well, no, I don't think we did talk about it. Okay, why don't I address it really briefly? So Patreon had um, said that they were going to implement some new fees um, on actually the, the sponsor side that now they have rescinded as far as we know, right? So yeah. we were kind of in a panic trying to find a different um, sponsorship platform, but for the moment, we're probably just going to hang out with Patreon and see how all of this shakes out. <laughs> um, if we do come up with a new platform, we will be sure to let you know. But for the moment, because Patreon has rescinded that, um, we are still hanging on um, at Patreon, where I think we're, um, I think we're, Door podcast maybe on Patreon as well. But you could find a link, I think, on our Tumblr to our Patreon page. And we appreciate all of our patrons, like our um, listener who wrote in today. We do appreciate you very much because um, you make our hosting fees possible. And you give important. us good questions. So. And you give us great questions. Yeah, we're, we're close the door. Um, Patreon.com slash close the door. Close the door. Okay, that's it. Okay, um, so um, I guess if there's nothing else, we'll um, call it a podcast. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.